You never can know exactly what to expect because, well, quite frankly, we have no agenda. And it's time once again for the program. It is this week's No Agenda coming to you from the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak up here in Northern California. And we've got uh, a new, uh, this is something new for us, John, a little test. We've reversed the roles for once. Yeah, I'm up late. It's like one in the morning as we're doing this. And uh, you're just, uh, I guess you just got up recently. Yeah, I've, I've been up for a couple hours, but it's about uh, 10 past nine in the morning. And uh, it just worked out this way. I think we might as well tell uh, tell the audience right off the bat that uh, <clears throat> we're doing this on, uh, what is it today? Say Thursday? Yeah, yeah Thursday. Thursday. Uh, so we'll probably uh, won't get this out until Friday, so it's one day earlier. But if you're wondering why uh, some of the topics may be about older news, <laughs> like 24 hours old, that's the reason. We don't really talk about the news as much as we do about trends. Well, that's true. Okay, then let me start right off the bat with a trend, which is um, huge protests in Europe over um, the price of uh, gasoline and, uh, in particular, diesel. Have you followed this at all? Heard about the, you know, but the diesel thing has fascinated me because even at the even here, for, it started about a year ago. I noticed this, and I used to work as a petroleum chemist, so you have to, you know, you have gotta, to. You uh, got to understand these things. Well, I mean, I kind of get part of it, but this there's a baffling aspect to it because this is not a normal situation. But about a year ago, the price of diesel started sneaking up, and it became the same price. As premium oh, right. gasoline. I, well, I've, I've made a study, and I know why. At least in Europe, I know why it's happening. All right, go. Um, so, for, first of all, you have a regular increase just in the, in the raw materials, so the price of a barrel of oil is going up. But what all these governments have done, uh, and there was a big protest in the U.K. two days ago. The French fishermen are protesting. Uh, they're cutting off the Atlantic or whatever the hell. Um, is that all these governments have put extra tax, CO2 emission tax, on diesel. And um, and it's an extra tax because, and of course, I don't think this is true because they say, well, diesel engines, uh, you know, they uh, they spew out much more CO two, which of course is related directly back to this global warming meme that is out there. And uh, I think that I don't know if that's the same in the states, but in Europe, that's exactly what's happening. That's why that price has been driven up so far. I don't know of any increased tax on diesel fuel in the U.S. The price has snuck up to the price of premium, uh, and then it started creeping above it, and now it's like 10 or 20 cents higher than premium gasoline, and it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, and so far as the uh, carbon footprint of diesel. Which, of you know, course, is, well, is probably not true. I mean, I think the, the diesel well, I mean, these you days get a lot clean. of particulate from diesel fuel more than anything, but it tends to be, I don't see that as just producing more CO2 to be, I mean, just I don't see it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I have to, I'm going to have to do a little reading and see what the heck's going on because it doesn't make any sense. Well, what is happening is it's making everyone's livelihood kind of hard because, you know, when, when you get an increase like that in your, in your basic, uh, uh, you know, the basics of your business, if you're, uh, if you're a trucker or uh, if, you, uh, if you need diesel for any other reason, then, uh, you know, that's a, that's a real big problem. That's straight to your bottom line. Well, that's passed off to the customers, and so it's a real issue. I think the only people that benefit from this, and I'm starting to notice this now, and this is kind of weird, too. There might be some connection. I saw an ad the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, for uh, for the railroads. They've been advertising on the radio for a while, but now I'm seeing TV ads. Hmm. 
bragging about how much you know they can carry like tons of stuff for a nickel you know and it's like i'm saying why is it i've never seen i have never seen in my life that i can think of ads for railway transportation for you know for products it just i'm watching this going hmm yeah in fact if anything it's only been commercials for for uh, transport of people well, here, actually, we don't see that even that. I guess there's some Amtrak, occasional Amtrak commercials. But, uh, no, this was just transporting cars in particular. But it, you could tell that what they were getting at. They were talking about the, how, what does it cost per mile to move a ton, and it's, like, a lot cheaper than it is with a truck. So I don't know. There's something screwy going on. I'm sure it will come out eventually. Well, it's interesting that, that that price of diesel, though, as you say, that you don't think it has anything to do with, uh, with carbon emission taxes. But, uh, you know, Gordon Brown, of course, the prime minister, in the UK is already under severe pressure. People are calling for his head, almost literally. Um, and uh, in, uh, I think it was yesterday's Financial Times, uh, actually the um, the Labour government here is saying, you know, we just may back off of that uh, two pence raise uh, in uh, in gas taxes uh, that's coming up in July because the truckers literally blocked off the West End. I mean, within set, almost 100 miles outside of uh, London, traffic was messed up. They did a great job. Good for them. Yeah, and, and, and finally. Like the French. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> finally, finally. And everyone's behind them, you know. Everyone's because, you know, everyone else has these, you know, their own issue with the price of gas. I'm just waiting for this to happen in the States. Well, you know, the, it just hasn't happened. I mean, I, ever, I think everyone's complaining about it, but I don't think it's gotten to that. And it is expensive. It's amazing. I feel sorry for the people who bought those diesel cars, you know, thinking they were going to yeah, save money. Yeah, a good money. deal. Exactly, exactly. In fact, it may be a ploy to eliminate the possibility of diesel cars becoming successful. You know what we need, but John? You know what we need? Got a breaker on nine. This here's a rubber duck. Remember this? Got a copy on me, big fan. Come on. Yeah, unfortunately, I do. <laughs> Convoy. <laughs> so talking about, you know, the craziness over there, I'm looking at this entry on the blog that we have here, which I put up. Every adult in Britain should be forced to carry carbon ration cards, say MPs. Carbon, have you read this story? No, no. Carbon rations? What's that? Yeah, this guy is, in fact, this one guy in particular, one of your, one of your crackpot MPs, member of parliament. Who? Uh, I'm going to tell you who it is. We have his picture up. I forgot to put his name up. Yeah, I, just, which I, is, I don't want to surf today because the bandwidth is a little iffy. No, I, I'm going to tell you who it is. It's uh, uh, Tim Yeo, even though he sounds like a Chinese guy. He's white. Mm. Uh, MPs led by Tory Tim Yeo, Y-E-O. Okay, he's, he's conservative, so he's, uh, he's in the opposition. Say the scheme should be more effective at cutting greenhouse gas gas emissions than green taxes. You know, I'm tired of this, man. Governments all over the world are using this CO2 emissions thing to tax the living daylights out of everything. It's just an excuse. They've jumped on the bandwagon when they somebody came up with the idea, hey, we can now tax people. And then, of course, at the end of this article, it's, let me read you the, how the scheme would work. Uh, I'm going to list off the crap. Every adult in the U.K. would be given an annual carbon dioxide allowance in kilograms and a special carbon card. The scheme would cover road fuel flights and energy bills. Every time someone paid for road fuel flights or energy, their carbon account would be docked a a liter of petrol would use 
uh, up to 2.3 kilograms in carbon, while every 1.3 miles of airline flight would use another one kilogram. By the way, you'd be paying a lot for your little private plane. <laughs> Hell yeah. When, pay- <laughs> when paying for petrol, there's only three more of these. When paying for petrol, the card would uh, need to be swiped at the till. It would be a legal offense to buy petrol without using a card. When paying, uh, you think they were against the, you know, it was like for rationing during World War II. Oh, yeah. When paying online or by direct debit, the carbon account would be debited directly and anyone who doesn't use up their credit, this is the kicker here, <laughs> anyone who doesn't use up their credits in a year can sell them to someone who wants more credits. <laughs> Trading would be done through specialist companies. Oh, man. You know what this is? I think this is two things. First of all, no, it's three things. First of all, it's fucking stupid. Excuse my, my language. Uh, because there's just not enough this proof. This is that, part of the Al Gore scheme. Yeah, exactly. He, this is this is he all. He runs one of these companies that trades carbon credits. <sighs> it's a crock of crap. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's like a. It's like trying to create a, a new investment market or something, so you can make money on trading carbon credits. And I think it's also uh, an underhand way of. Uh, there's another big debate going on here about the national ID card, which um, you know, uh, no, I don't think the public wants it. Uh, labor has been trying to bring that in so that, you know, basically all of your information is on a card. So it just starts with carbon emissions, I guess. And then you can, you know, attach anything to that uh, card that you swipe through. I mean, that's just a matter of adding another database to it. It's unbelievable. So anyway, that's the kind of weird. I mean, this thing is getting out of control. Uh, I mean, it's not doing anything to stop anything. And now, you know, there's a who's going to set these limits? It's just the whole thing is a, it's just become, I mean, they're completely blowing any, you know, possibility that we could actually cut emissions at all by just being jerks. I can just see what's happening. You, know, you, you go to a public restroom, you have to swipe your card because, of course, you know, if you're doing a number two, well, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a couple of carbon credits there because you are emitting CO2 in a big way. I think every cow is going to have to have a barcode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh well that's a that's a trend i'm not liking somebody i'm looking at the blog and somebody named grimbo has a comment I got a bunch of comments on this posting he he says he's obviously in the uk or europe he says isn't there anything happening in the usa worth writing about because i'm you know so far. <laughs> tired of it <laughs> we haven't gotten to this corny thing yet i'm just trying to stave it off yeah really um, here's a book I want to read, man. I'm sure you've heard about Scott McClellan's book. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy. All the, uh, in fact, all the uh, right wing talk show guys are all worked up about this. Oh, tell me about it. Let's just explain to the listeners. Maybe not everyone knows. Scott McClellan was the uh, um, the White House press secretary, I believe. Yeah. He was the first one, and he was the most nervous-looking one up there, and he was always like, you know... Uh, <laughs> sweaty, the sweaty lip guy. That's, that's what he I always call it. yeah. <laughs> and so, so he comes out with this tell-all. I mean, what is he... What is he... What's the... There's something fishy about this. He's making money. First of all, he made money telling the lies. Now he's making money telling the truth, I guess. I'm, I don't know how other how, how way to look at well, it. Well, explain to people what the book's about. So the book is about his... Uh, um, his tenure as press secretary between 2003-2006, and in particular, uh, he talks about um, 
I haven't read the book, obviously, uh, about how Condoleezza Rice is kind of like the Teflon uh, dame. Like she, uh, everything just glides right off of her. She deflects things to other people um, that, uh, you know, the importance of Rove, how Dick Cheney is pulling on the strings behind the screens. And then in particular, how the Bush administration lied to the American public to get into Iraq. Paraphrasing, of course, haven't read the book, but I think that's kind of what it is. Yeah, that's what everybody says it is. And uh, everybody's upset about the fact that this guy, not because he's telling the truth, but it's like, where were you, you know, when you needed to be telling the truth? I mean, why would you be such a a stooge that you would, you know, f- go along with the program for such a long time? And then because you need some money doing a book, now you're doing this. Well, I would say there's one other reason to do this. I'd say the other reason is protection. You know, to protect himself, to go public with it. Protect himself from what? From getting killed. By who? By evil by evil forces, you know. If, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one wants this information out there. And if everyone knows that, that he's kind of on the fence or whatever, you know, it could be one of these, oops, he committed suicide type things. Oh, brother. Well, I think that's a bit much. Uh, but I don't know, man. I mean, look, you know, what's the difference between often one guy who might want to tell the truth about the lies... Uh, about getting us into Iraq and actually lying and getting us into Iraq. You know, which one is worse? I don't know. Well, I know is I don't know anyone who's been killed yet. Well, but, hold uh, on. There was, what, remember, and that's kind of died in the in the press. Remember the guy, this was in the UK. Wasn't it in the UK, the, the, the science, I think it was the UK, the scientist who um, actually... What was it? Crap. Right, that, that scientist who had some something to say about the fact that the report was a crock of right, crap. Right, right, right. And, all of and a sudden, he ended up dead in a field or yeah. something while hiking or some mm-hmm, crazy thing. Like that. Mm-hmm. One of those. Well, I don't think that just died. I mean, they harped on that thing as some sort of a screwy situation for months on end, didn't they? And then it just died. And then it just went away. Well, yeah, because people get sick of listening to this stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of connections. To, I mean, like coincidental connections between Clinton and a bunch of... I mean, there was a whole website site devoted to crazy people that had died because of foster that had died you know during the clinton administration with implications that he was right. you know had somebody killing them right that was the whitewater stuff wasn't it yeah a lot of that yeah but well, you know i, I believe I, know. I believe that happens i believe in that kind of cloak and dagger stuff i think that absolutely happens i think it's funny that you would say that not because maybe it does happen or doesn't happen but because of the fact that when i mentioned that I thought it was a scam that Marie Osmond fell to the deck on national TV as a publicity stunt, you were completely, no, that couldn't possibly be the case. May I point out that I changed my position on that later after I thought about it? Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, you did. I'm okay. just saying, though, your, your normal, uh, you're, you're normally kind of conservative with these kinds of thoughts, and I've never heard you come off the wall with some of these. You know, well, well, no, <laughs> he the, wrote the book to protect himself from being killed. Well, yeah, well look, there's quite a jump, John, between by the way, the book by the way, if it was a mob, re- it yeah. was a mob deal. You write that book, then you will be killed. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he got it out then. You know, I, I, but Marie Osmond, I saw her faint, and I thought it looked pretty realistic. You know, but I, I, I retracted. Well, except for the, except for the back of the hand. <laughs> to the top of the forehead and the, and the twisting fall with, 
You know, you know, they were on the uh, swoon. They were on uh, Jonathan Ross, which is our big weekly uh, Friday night talk show here in the UK. The uh, like seven of the Osmonds. So it was, and there's there's like two. There's a million Osmonds, of course, but you have uh, Donnie, Jimmy, and Marie, and then you have the three older guys, and those brothers are like uh, in their you know, like mid sixties, and uh, they're on tour now, and and they're selling out everywhere. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, yeah up yeah. in England or touring England? They, um, they uh, they're, they're doing. It started in. Um, they did one small gig, and now they're doing the O2 Arena, and now they've set up a world tour. It's pandemonium. They're selling out the O2 <laughs> Arena for crazy horses. But think about it. You have um, Donnie. You know, they had a lot of hits, John. You can laugh about them, but Donnie and Marie had massive hits. And of course, there's the one name hit. one. Oh, uh, okay. Donny Osmond, Puppy Love, uh, um, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, uh, which of course Paul Anka classic. Uh, Donny and Marie had uh, several. I can't. I can't name those off off the top of my head. But then the All big, right, you got one. Puppy wait, Love. Wait, the big <laughs> the big one here in the UK, which was never a hit in the states. I don't think was Jimmy Osmond, who had this song called "I'll Be Your Long Haired Liver Lover from Liverpool." No, and it never was heard of it. number one in all over Europe, but particularly in the UK for months on end. And, you know, so all these and he was 13 at the time. So his audience is now my age and there's nostalgia. You know, these chicks love it. Oh, brother. <laughs> I'm telling I'll be your long haired lover from Liverpool. You know, I don't mind. You know, I, I think there's. Something cool about seeing an old act. I mean, I w went to see uh, when they had the Venetian Room here in, in San Francisco uh, until recently. Uh, I would, m myself, my wife, and sometimes one of our kids, we'd go to see these classic acts because it was a small venue. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a little expensive, but it was worth going to. So I got to see Lou Rawls in a small venue. I got to see uh, James Brown in oh, a small yeah. venue. And I actually went to see Cab Calloway. Uh, wow! Uh, in the same room with his band, is it was actually. Alive? A, is he still alive? No, he, no he's died, dead died, now. But yeah. he was alive then. Yeah. In fact, we actually uh, uh, had drinks with him afterwards. Curiously enough, hmm. he gave me his tips on horse race betting, uh, and also cooking corn <laughs> the barbecue. Anyway, <laughs> Cab's, be that as Cab, it may. here it is: Cab Calloway's Cobb recipe. No, oh, there you have it. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, the point is, I, I don't mind that kind of a situation. I mean, it seems like a logical thing to do if you want to see. Uh, hold on a second, John. I think I just lost you there. Are you there? Uh. Am I there? Oh, yeah, you're back. Okay. You know, there's been All some right, problems well. with, I just want to say there's been some problems with Skype over the past couple of days, I noticed. And I don't think it's just my bandwidth. I think it's, uh, there's some kind of problem going on. Particularly if you talk really loudly, not you because you've got a compressor and limiter set up, but it just seems to, to drop out. I've been seeing this a lot. Huh. I haven't noticed it over here, but I don't use it that much. The point is, is that it makes sense to me that you would uh, go see some of these acts if you have an opportunity, especially if you get to see them close up. Uh, but to go to a big, giant venue to listen to the Osmonds, you know, do nostalgia, doing a, you know, a dinosaur act from 25 <laughs> years ago, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. Okay, it's actually 30 years ago, um, maybe even 35. But I will say the culture in the United Kingdom of big concerts and festivals is is huge. So it's you know, and it's a it's almost like a football match, and they all go there and they all sing the songs together and they drink beer, yeah. which of course is Makes totally it accepted. Worse. No, it, oh, please. It, now, now you're just being cranky. No, I'm just saying. It says I don't want to go out with a bunch of old drunks listening <laughs> to 
40 years old is not old. Give me a break. 40 is not old. (laughs) Oh, man. So the drunks in the audience probably are. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't sound right. Wow. If it makes people people happy, then it's right, John. Come on. We need some happiness. Oh, God, what a cornball you've become. lover from Liverpool. Yes, once in a while. Look, I can bitch about carbon credits, but I do love Jimmy Osmond. I'm sorry. So what else weird is going on over there? We have Sharon Stone over here telling the Chinese that there's bad karma. That's the reason they had their earthquake, which cracks me up. Oh, really? Oh, what an idiot. She's a total idiot. Bad karma? Is that what she said? Where did she say this? Yeah, she made a big stink about it. She (laughs) says she was at some event where she was actually talking to a Chinese delegation in public and made a big stink about his bad karma. When you do bad things, bad things happen to you. Like she's some sort of like a 12-year-old. Speaking of drunks. (laughs) God, really? That's that's, That's pretty messed up. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, there is um, there is a Euro- there's a European Parliament thing that they're uh, getting into now. Is uh, there's discussions about uh, banning import uh, into Europe of products that are a derivative of child labor, and so there's several countries that are saying, you know, yeah, we think we should warn them, but we don't actually think we should stop the import of these products. So there's there's something weird going on there, which I'm sure is China related, probably India related. Who knows? Maybe the old brick countries. Uh, that's going on in the European. Well, climate. there was a there was a new. You know, I started watching Newsnight, mm. which I recommend to Americans if they get BBC America. It comes on Friday nights, and it's, I yep. think they repeat it on that's Sunday. That's a great show. Great show. Right, it's from BBC Two, and so I quoted something from it on a blog, and somebody, I don't know, I guess we were talking about something on No Agenda, and somebody sent me an email saying, "Hey, you know, you shouldn't note that this is the most re- reputable show on the British air." And so I started watching it. It's actually quite good. It's like a, it's like a, it's actually like a jazzed up or dramatized sixty minutes. It's actually better in many ways. But they had a thing on. It was either last week or the week before. Uh, that was they took these uh, they took these people and these these women and uh, that were fashion east fashion oriented british girls that didn't think much about wearing something once and throwing it away and and took them to china oh and showed and, them how the shit was made huh well they made them work there oh <laughs> yeah. it was part of the job it was like they had to do this, some of these things they had to do some sewing they had to do some this and that and the other thing and all of them came back they were so i Depressed. mean amazingly disillusioned with the whole situation that it was actually quite entertaining to watch well that's a that's a good Uh, thing and quite topical because at this very moment you know what the number one movie is going to be this weekend if it isn't already in the states it's going to be uh, sex in the city which of course is filled with nothing but brand name overpriced shoes handbags and clothing i hope it's not number one oh it's it's going to be box office bonanza this is this is the equivalent of um for guys you know that like debbie does dallas in the 2008 version would be released in theaters you know that we love porn most guys love porn this is female porn that's plain and simple have you i don't know about your wife uh, my wife is certainly um she likes the porn but she can't stand paying the prices for it but in general i think i see women who are who absolutely worship uh uh you know blonic uh whatever the 
I'm a, I'm a, oh, what the hell is the name of those shoes? Milano, Mahalo. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they, they worship these shoes. It's like $400 shoes, which are two slabs of leather with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, you know, luckily my wife's not a shoe nut. Yeah. How about handbags? That's another one that's just crazy. Handbags. Well, there's actually websites dedicated to the handbags. Yeah, you know, you're right. Sex in the City will have tons of that stuff. But the thing is, it's like a, such a chick flick from the get-go that it's almost like a parody of itself right from the beginning. I don't even know if I'd watch it. I'm definitely not going to go see it. But I don't know if I'd even bother watching it on uh, on a DVD because, you know, I watched the series on and off, and it was kind of interesting because it was structured similarly to uh, the Seinfeld show where they had got themselves into these kind of situations, weird yeah. situations that were kind of amusing. It's, you know, and it was well written and it was, you know, it, but it was, again, you know, I think the parody of it uh, done on The Simpsons where one of the people in The Simpsons said, oh, you mean that show where there was those four women sitting, sitting around the table acting like gay men? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, written by, uh, it's written by gay men. The show. I don't know about the movie, oh. but the the show was written by I think the the writers are gay men. Oh, okay. Well, that made well, that makes sense. It makes then. sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, well, so, you know, so my just, so my daughter wanted was, to go last night, so that was a Wednesday night. It was sold out. I do have a theory though why there's there's very little criticism of this, and it's kind of the Obama theory. I think that because uh, Carrie, whatever her name, Carrie, so their character is Carrie, so Sarah Jessica Parker. I believe because she is living the dream of many journalists, you know, living your life, writing about it for a, for a newspaper like the New York Times, you know, being kind of a celebrated journalist. I have a feeling that for some reason... Blogger. A it's blog, called a blogger. It's called... <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's why there's no criticism. I think people uh, envy that type of lifestyle. I don't know. There's something... It's... it's you know what? Commercially speaking, great freaking idea. Congratulations. Power to you guys. Whatever. Yeah. I, I, I actually doubt that I'll even bother to watch it. I mean, it's just got. It's, I would. I, I just need to know what the ending is, and I'm done. <laughs> well, look. I does, think most Mister Big get killed, or is he? Uh, who cares? All it's I know. All, I, no, I, I would like to know because it wraps it up, and I, I, at least I can have. I don't have to deal with it. Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll get a spoiler out there. But uh, for the for the men listening to this show, without a doubt, it is a guaranteed you'll get laid chick flick. I'm not sure of that. Well, let's do a poll. Okay, well, we will, yeah, well, I'm I just not sure that it's a get laid chick flick. Look, I think it's just you, a chick If you flick. take your girlfriend to this movie, you're getting laid. All right, let's do a, a test. Not Anybody <laughs> out there who listens to this show... <laughs> Email Adam with the <laughs> results of the test. <laughs> yes. And I, I'll put up uh, one of those uh, Google Docs spreadsheets. It's and real. no cheating. <laughs> We're going to come and check on you. No cheating. None of this, you know, get her drunk and then get laid. Oh, yeah, you know. No, it has to be you go to the movie and then the next thing you know, you're just having more sex than you could imagine. Okay. And I think it only counts if it's like somebody who hasn't had sex with the person before. Oh. Okay, well, now you're putting all kinds of parameters in. I think it's much well, tougher okay, to get... Well, let's, okay, no, let's make it any sort of sex, but I want to hear the details. Okay. In other words, is it your wife? <laughs> you know, or is it some... Someone else's wife? You, somebody else's <laughs> wife? Is it somebody you have sex with every night anyway? <laughs> no. Uh, now you're putting too many parameters in for this. No, I just want to know that, you know, you just say yes and no thing's not going to work for me. Okay. 
I just don't think it's effective. I think that whole thing's a myth. Changing I mean, it. in the olden days when I was a kid, you know, you used to go to the drive-in theater yeah. and you could watch these, and the, the, the movies that was supposedly you get some action is the real scary films. Not somebody that bring, not a movie that brings the male to tears because it's got you know tear jerker elements that are designed to make anyone who watches it cry, <laughs> which is like this pathetic. <laughs> you know, what I mean, come on. <laughs> well, look, how many people got laid after watching Schindler's List? Okay, you know, it's like I think you got more chance with Sex in the City. That's what I'm just saying. Well, yeah, well, maybe. Hey, this is, here's one for you, John. Uh, someone uh, sent me, you know, I've been using this drop.io. I know I showed it to you. Have you actually started using that? Uh, no, I've, I've looked. I've been watching it, though. Okay, so it's the, the, still an alpha. These guys gave me, like, because I was out of my one gig or whatever within a week, and they gave me 20 gigs, and so people just been stacking stuff up. But there's this, um, a link to a YouTube clip. It's uh, uh, Mary Captur. She's... Um, a representative, Democratic representative from Ohio. It's about seven minutes. And in it, she she even holds up charts. She's talking about this super NAFTA thing, which has been kind of rumored about for, for a while, where um, you know, apparently the Bush administration is quiet. Are you talking about the, the highway? Yeah, the highway, yeah. She showed oh, the, the highway. We blogged about that highway over a year ago. That's NASCO. You have to look it up. It's, it's like NASCO Highway or NASCO something dot, you know, to find the information. If you look it up on the blog, if you type in NASCO, I think you'd find it there. But we have the maps and all the rest of it. It's not even a secret well, but well, the thing that's really cool is this is this uh this um video that's floating around youtube where the manitoba uh guy who runs manitoba i don't know what they what is he a governor i'm not sure but anyway he was talking about it in great detail and then meanwhile they're excoriating uh, lou dobbs because he calls it the nafta highway when it's really I think he's just referring to it in a generic sense. Yeah. Instead of NASCO, the North American Super Corridor, or whatever it is, organization. And uh, it's this is not a, a, a secret no. by any means, but the fact that they're trying to pretend that it is, is ridiculous. And we've been documenting this thing for, you know, at least over a year, I'm sure of it. It's well, been, in fact, the whole project's been going on for 15 years. Well, so the, the, the recent developments, and this is what it kind of came down to, is that um, so Ford is opening up a huge plant in Mexico. Um, so, you know, a lot of jobs are going to be, uh, are going to Mexico. And then there's these Mexican, uh, I can't remember his name, Mexican billionaire who owns the, uh, like the Chicago Skyway, which is a part of this, uh, of this, uh, super highway project. Uh, the, uh, there's another, um, Hmm. You know, there's that, a couple, there's a couple I'm of, looking at the map. I don't see it going through Chicago. But anyway, go ahead. Well, it was it was one branch. But you have to see the video. You know, I'll, uh, I'm sure Bubba Bubba will put uh, will put a link to it in the show. Put a notes. link, okay. Yeah, yeah. Bubba will do. That. But it was just interesting because the way she brought it, it was like you know she had some really good points. I thought. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. It's not a secret, but it kind of hasn't really been admitted to no, or discussed. No, it's not talked about, and yeah. they, they kind of pretend it's no big deal when it is a big deal, yeah. because essentially the Manitoba guy, I have to put a link to this thing, uh, I'm doing a piece on how they're trying to, um, I, I haven't, re I have to, it's going to take me a while to do it, because it's actually going to be an elaborate piece on how, how I think the powers that be are trying to uh, ruin Lou Dobbs, because he has, uh, he's just not toeing the line. <laughs> and, um, and anyway, so they, there's this the Manitoba guy goes on about how what they're setting up is a uh, a port, 
a seaport, essentially, in Manitoba that has preclearances for the actual docking of the ships which will be in mexico and then the it gets they get cleared down there and then they're pre-cleared and then they go up the super corridor and then they get dropped off in canada as though they were coming in off of a ship oh okay i get it and and if you start really looking into it this has a lot to do with the fact that the seattle uh oakland and long beach harbors that take in most of the stuff from China uh, are going to either start charging too much or they can get a better deal by dropping the stuff off down in Mexico on these super tankers. And a lot of them can't take some of these bigger boats. I mean, there's some huge ships being manufactured now that are so monstrous. It's unbelievable. And uh, so they're so this is part of that, too, because you can save money if you go to Mexico to get one of their ports. So let me answer, let me ask you a question. Uh, <clears throat> outside of uh, perhaps uh, you know forty, fifty thousand jobs being eliminated in the U.S. and and moving down to Mexico, is there anything bad about this idea? Um, well, there's there the, yeah, there's a couple. Well, depending on what you what you think is bad or what you think is one, uh, you know, bypassing. I mean, this, for one thing, it's kind of weird that the uh, you have to drop stuff off in Mexico to get it to. Canada, when they have ports up in Vancouver, uh, which they could take the stuff, but apparently, you know, there's taxes or who knows. Taxes, I don't know what the maybe reason. quicker routes. Uh, there's, there could be a number of reasons, but I still don't see why that's necessarily bad if we're a part of it and we're making money from it. I don't know that we're making any money from it except for the taxes on this big highway that's going to be going up and down. It's also going to, you know, you, you, it's just, I mean, it's just to have this, this, it's almost like having an, an easement is the way I see it. And I, and I don't like, you know, if you have some property and for some reason or another, somebody wants to get to some other property behind your property and they decide that they want to run a, 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 a two-lane road right through your property to get there, an easement as it would be called here, uh, and it's annoying. I mean, it's like, you know, now all of a sudden your property is cut in half. Right. So and why are we volunteering for this? The whole, and why, are, you know, why don't we, I don't know. There's a lot of issues I think it needs to be discussed more, but it's not being discussed at all. So we don't have any good arguments one way or the other. One, you know, they're having a bunch of Mexican trucks going up and down this road, bringing in the illegals. It could be a drug trafficking problem. Hmm. There's a job loss thing. I mean, why, you know, the Canadians used to have car plants up there. Why are we making cars in Mexico to ship into Canada? I mean, just, okay, great. I guess it makes them cheaper. Uh, there's a lot of job loss issues. I don't know. It's really all about China. It's really not that much to do with Mexico and the billionaires down there. It's about China finding a cheaper way to bring their cheap stuff over even cheaper. Through You mean through Mexico? Yeah. Hmm. For Canada, that is. Right, not for right, us. Right. I mean, we, we, there's no benefit to us that I can see. We just lose a bunch of business in our some of our ports. And the uh, we're just routing everything in an awkward way to Canada, which somehow is cheaper according to the way they do the numbers. I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. But the thing that's weirder about it is the fact that there's so much kind of, oh, we don't want to talk about it. Let's cover our ears. Bah, 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 bah. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You know, kind of thing. And it's like, you know, somebody like Lou Dobbs brings it up and they, you know, calls it the NAFTA highway or whatever he calls it. And then they just jump all over them. And people, it's interesting to read the, the criticism. It's, there is no such thing as a NAFTA superhighway. There is no NAFTA corridor. There, he's full of crap. He's a liar. Who's saying and they're that? going on and on. It's like he's like, he used a different term than the real term, NASCO, N-A-S-C-O. Oh, so that's why they're debunking it. 
Or that's yeah. what they're using as a debunk, is saying it, there's nothing Right, they're that, saying right. he's full of crap, he doesn't know what he's talking about, he's a liar, and it's like really weird, and, the, and, it's, and it's all these, and the weird thing is it's mostly left-wing media uh, people that are doing this, not even the, the Republicans. I mean, it's, that's the strangest thing about huh? it. It's it, like it, You'd expect exactly the opposite. Yeah, I know. It's like media matters and people like that who are all really pretty much left of center by a lot that are all over this thing. And it's just like, okay, I don't know. There's something screwy going on is all I know. It's like somebody sent out the word. And then you have like hit pieces that have come out in both the Washington Post and there's this uh, writer, uh, uh, Joe Klein, who's come out with some negative piece. It almost looks like it was planted. And, um, you know, just a hit you know, hit Dobbs with this kind of information, or with this, this criticism, and and linking to all the other people that were criticizing. And, and a lot of it started with an article in Salon Magazine, the online salon, huh. and and they had a, a kind of a kind of an academic nasty piece. It's really it's just like it all happened at once, as though somebody said, "Okay, let's get him." Hmm. Which is probably exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I have a thing that I like to do, and I think people should all do this. You have to assume, and the funny thing was, I mentioned this to you before, and I think I talked about it on the show, but a friend of mine, who I'll keep her name out of it for the moment, mentioned to me that she was you know, offered a job with uh, one of the major intelligence agencies when she got out of college, and her job was to be to... Uh, work at a newspaper and they'd get her you know a good position and she'd move up the ladder over the years and every so often she would be asked to to drop in a piece of disinformation or a phony story or some something not often but once in a while well that's what the cia does they have that's that's one of the main things their agents do is and i am reasonably reliably informed is that you know they put people in they give them a front so you get like a Maybe it could even be a PR agency, as an example, and you're in a country and you're working as PR, or you may be a journalist, and you're essentially, you're on the payroll and you're meant to influence the press. Right. Well, it's usually you don't think the press itself is part of this. By the way, and I think, this, I mentioned this to my wife, I said, we should start like some sort of a, this would really get everybody worked up, by the way. Start some sort of a movement where members of the press need to take lie detector tests (laughs) to assure the public that they're not working for an intelligence agency. Uh, You know what? And we could do that with Jerry Springer with that new show of his to tell the truth. That's a perfect combination. We put him on that. Okay. (laughs) Do you work for an intelligence agency? Well, they do a lie detector (laughs) test. It would be funny. Anyway, or so even, I, even, even just to, I, to say to a journalist, will you submit to a, a lie detector test could be quite telling what their answer is. Oh, they go crazy. But anyway, the point is, is that one of the things I like to do is to try to figure out, and I have my little lists of guys that I I suspect are uh, working for an intelligence agency based on the kind of articles they write and what they put out. But one of the things you can do is you can reverse engineer a lot of this. And one one specific way is that that book... Um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, which I don't think went over well with you know anybody that was involved in. The I whole... loved it. I loved the book. Well, what you want to do is you want to look at everyone. You want to look at all the reviews of the book and find the people who criticized it. Right. Yeah. Good point. And then you find out what they said in in in, in their critique. And then now that gives you a you know kind of a, a top list that you can now check these people out. And what you do is you look at each one of their records in ter- terms of what else have they written about, mm-hmm. and you can quickly see which of the group, and it's not all of them, but it's a good number of them, 
are obviously working for an intelligence agency because they're putting out this kind of weird propaganda every so often, and it's and they do it consistently. And there 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 are people that you should know who they are, and you have to make your own lists, and you should take what they say with a grain of salt, or. You could even go further, and you should read what they write to see what the you know official line is, mm-hmm. because you can kind of de- you can kind of determine it. You can you kind of reverse engineer it by just reading them. So you've done this work, and you have a list. I do of it all the time. I mean, I do it constantly. When I when I'm suspicious of somebody, I'll I'll, I'll do this mm-hmm. because I I have to as a writer myself. I have to. Uh, I don't mind, you know, putting out the party line when I'm in agreement with it or when I think it's a good thing uh, without being told, which is typically what everybody does. I mean, if you're working for a magazine and you're a writer for like Time Life, you don't go writing negative pieces about your own company, for example. So right. that's pretty typical. And that's why you don't see, you know, you know, pieces on, on uh, television, like on one of the networks, like on ABC, for example, that go into Disney hiring practices. It's just, <laughs> no, never, no, it's just never going to, ha- you're not just not going to see it on that network. No. And you won't see it on the other networks either, no. because these are all run by giant corporations. And if you're at NBC, which is owned by General Electric, and you do a hit piece on Disney hiring practices, they're going to do a hit piece on you. So, and so it's a, it's a gentleman's agreement. Nobody does it. So the corporations have taken over the media and no, you we hear nothing. So I had, uh, I had this in a smaller version at MTV. It's like you could not say anything critical, bad, or even make an off-color joke about any artist whatsoever. The only people well, who see, are allowed to do that were about comedians. The, that's what's interesting about the Lou Dobbs thing. It's actually his own company yeah. coming after him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you see that, then you get really suspicious. Yeah. And that would be GE? No, no, that's CNN Time Life. Oh, Time, Time Warner. Time Warner, Time I'm sorry, Warner, Time yeah. Warner, Time Life. I'm living yeah. in the past. Yeah, Time Warner, uh, they own CNN, and one of the pieces that I saw against him was in Time. So when I, when I, came, when I came to MTV, so it was uh, 1986, 87, and uh, I hadn't even gone on the air yet. This was uh, so the first week I'm you know, staying in a hotel. I was supposed to go on uh, Halloween is when I did my first uh, appearance on MTV. And so the and I had no I was very I was young for 22 or whatever, but also very, very green in this type of corporate U.S. environment. And they set me up with an interview with TV Guide. Which, of course, uh, at the time, uh, you know, was the largest publication. You can't do much better than to have a, a full page, even though it's small, but a full page in TV Guide. And um, the reporter was asking me questions. And um, so, well, have you ever met Madonna? So, yeah, I've met her a couple times, you know, back in the early 80s. And uh, we did Hash Under a Glass. I didn't say that, but I'm telling the uh, No Agenda audience. Um, so, what do you think of her? Well, I didn't really like her. You know, I didn't think she was really, uh, no, nah, she wasn't a very nice person. Boy, did the shit hit the Fan over that one, and the, the, the press department hated me from that day on because I had ruined it. I had ruined their relationship with Madonna, and now she may never perform on the Video Music Awards again. Damn it! Huh? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, you know the infamous uh, Michael Jackson uh, thing, right? No. Oh uh, well, he so he was supposed to appear on the Video Music Awards. At the, you know, in his big heyday, we were doing it as typical. You do a promotion around that. So we had. So the deal was, we would debut his new video, also get the exclusive if we did a Michael Jackson weekend. And we so and MTV is taped. It's not all. Some some programs are live, but most of them are taped. So on um, we do is on Thursday. You tape for 
uh, Saturday and Sunday. And on Friday, you tape for Monday. So on, on Thursday, we did what we call a 48. So that meant a long day. And we did this whole weekend. It was the Michael Jackson weekend. We all had to come back Friday and retape the entire weekend because we did not specify, as was agreed to with the Michael Jackson organization, every single time you said Michael Jackson, it had to be followed by the words, the king of pop. That's hilarious. It, it was it was disgusting. So we all had to come back and we had to retape every single segment. And when it was Michael Jackson, the king of pop, it was obligated by contract. Who agreed to that idiocy? Uh, uh, probably Abby Conowitz, who later went on to uh, run Maverick Records for Madonna. Or maybe Judy McGrath, you know, who knows? Uh, a whole bunch of people. But that that's how it worked. MTV was totally the, uh, the record company's uh, bitch. So meanwhile, you know, that reminds me of we when I was doing Silicon Spin in you know years a decade ago, we uh, were going to get Richard Stallman on uh, the open source dude. Open a free software, basically. Uh, free software, guy. yeah, yeah. So he would, he, you know, who I've known, I know the guy. I mean, I've run into him a lot, chat with him. He's, he's interesting, and he would have been a good guest because he, he has things to say that are unique. Yeah. But he wouldn't do the show unless any time we referred to Linux, we had to say GNU Linux. <laughs> So he couldn't say Linux, yeah, Linux or anything like that. It had to be GNU Linux, and he wouldn't do the show unless we agreed to that. And you wouldn't. I told him to screw himself. Yeah, Richard Stallman, the king of GNU. You know, he uh, he he did write Emacs, didn't he? Didn't he write Emacs? I don't know what he wrote anymore. I mean, he's mostly just a guy who complains a lot. (laughs) I like him though. You need he's the one responsible for most of the newest aspects of the general public license and its onerous characteristics but still you need guys like that in every industry you need colorful people like that it's important well you know i'm surprised that he's so picky about like you know you don't see him on on doing a lot of tv or anything because he's got all these requirements he's like a he's like a diva he's like somebody who thinks they're a hollywood star and they can make all these demands i'm surprised he's not asking for special kinds of bottled water (laughs) and maybe he is and maybe he is we never got that far oi 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 just sticking with the internet for a second. This is uh, this 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 story uh, pops up from time to time, and uh, just that now that some numbers were put to it, and I have no idea if it's true. It comes from the register, you know, your buddies over here, uh, which uh, I I kind of I must say I have in pretty high regard. Um, that now the European Commission is pushing very hard to switch at least twenty five percent of the IP blocks that they either have indirect or direct control over to IPv six because, and here it comes. Uh, they're saying that only 16% of the total IPv4 numbers remain available. That seems pretty low. Did I lose you, John? No, I'm oh, trying to think thing. about yeah. this because I, my understanding was they were running out of IP. Four numbers like a decade ago, and then when they came up with this idea of rotating numbers, you know, in other words, you go onto one of the services and you don't have a number, you get one, so you get assigned numbers as you as they're needed. That kind of staved off the uh, the problem with IP four and the limit the limited number of numbers, which you can figure out by just looking at an IP address. It's like what I don't know. Anyway, the uh, well, it's actually not even IP address. I think isn't it the MAC addresses? Isn't it one level lower than IP no, I don't addresses? Think, I think it's the IP address that's the problem. Is he's, what is this? 732424. Two, four, two, four. So you have like one, uh, two, you got 
Uh, I guess there's a hundred million. I guess possible something like that. Uh, they, they're anyway. talking about four point three billion total IPv4 numbers remain available. Sixteen percent. Okay, it must no, be hundred billion. Sixteen percent of the four point three billion total. Yeah, that I don't know. It's probably right. So Vivian Redding is the EU's combative commissioner for information and society. Which boy, I want that business card. She says, in the short term, businesses and public authorities might be tempted to try to squeeze their needs into the straitjacket of the old system. But this would mean Europe is badly placed to take advantage of the latest Internet technology and could face a crisis when the old system runs out of addresses. You know what this smells? This smells like bullshit to me. <laughs> yeah. it smells like it smells like it to me. too. Yeah, when you got a bullshit title like combative commissioner for information and society, either she's poorly informed or there's some lobby behind it. Oh, there's got to be some something behind. Yeah, Cisco. Hmm. Come yeah. on, Cisco money and all the rest of these guys. I mean, where, where, you know, where are they going to go? They get their, you know, all the everyone's got their routers and everything else, and yeah. now they got to go to IP6. You'd have to re-equip everything. It'd be like it'd be worse than Y2K in terms of like dropping all this money into the system. So yeah. It's got to be a router company or, or all of them. The growth of the Internet in Chip China companies, and India. Whole group. Yeah, she says the growth of the Internet in China and India is pressing the need to switch. Hmm. Has to be done by 2010. I don't know. I'll look into it. No, I, you're probably right. It doesn't have to be done. But why does it have to be? What's the rush? Well, because we're running out. Well, if there, how many percentage were, you said were left? 16? 16. 16%. 16%. Okay, so let's see. The Internet's been really inactive since about 1995, even though it goes be before that. But with the web and all, I think 1995 would be a good jumping-off point. So we're talking about in uh, 20, what, 23 years, uh, it's chewed up like 80% of the numbers in 23 years. How many is that percentage on a, on a year-to-year basis? Why would this thing all of a sudden chew up 16% in the next year? When it's only chewed up uh, 80% in 23 years. Does that make sense to anybody? No. Sounds like a scam. Cisco, I think you're right. I'll look into that. It's just stuff that I know. It's just another trend. So 100 nations have reached an agreement on a treaty which would ban the current designs of cluster bombs. You know, this thing, this kills me. This is all over the news in, uh, in Europe. And everyone's so proud. You know, it's like, we've done a good thing here. I'm like, you got cluster bomb? What the hell is that? We've got enough bombs and shit to nuke out the whole world. And now we're all patting ourselves on the back because these inhumane bombs have been banned? What the hell is that? Have they banned landmines? No, of course not. Have they banned uh, any other kind? Cluster bombs. You know, the, all evening last night on the news here, you see cluster bombs going off, and it looks like reverse firecrackers, right? You know, like reverse fireworks. It drops, and then you see boom, 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 all these uh, little explosions within the area of where the bomblets. Yeah, bomblets. Yeah. You know, it's like. <sighs> the hell yeah good start i'm looking at the bbc they got like pictures of how the cluster bomb works and (laughs) what's why is that such a big deal i don't get it is that is that that, cluster bomb week i agree that's right hey everybody it's cluster bomb week uh congratulations uh you get 35 percent off your milk in the supermarket cluster bomb week Uh, you're right let's ban the landmines that would be a better start than cluster bombs landmines are killing children worldwide 
on yeah, a daily once basis. Planted, nobody, you know, they, you know, at least these things when they go off, you're dead or you're not. It's not like five years later by accident you step on one. Whatever the case is, Britain's accused of cluster bombs. Britain bans dumb cluster bombs. That mean? <laughs> we can only have the Ta- smart kind. Tackling Tajikistan's cluster bombs. Hezbollah denies cluster bomb use. There's a lot of cl- cluster bombs in the news. I wonder why. I mean, because when it- I start seeing a, like a, a flurry of one story, yeah. uh, I point this out when I do Tech 5, by the way. Yes, so you, I, I know you, you do it all the time, which is at tech5.mevio.com. And I have learned, uh, here's how it works. And, and, you know, I'm doing this radio stuff over in, uh, in the Netherlands. It's a very, very small country, very small community. But it, it's really made me, first of all, it's made me really sharp because I'm talking early every morning. But, um, and I'm, I'm taking a lot of what I've learned on this show and on Daily Source Code, dailysourcecode.com. And I'm uh, applying that. <laughs> To a whole, thank you. I've learned that from you, John. I'm applying that to a, a, to a whole. <laughs> ah, yes, grasshopper. It is time to snatch the pebbles from my hand. I'm applying this to um, uh, you know to the, these formats, and what I'm seeing is that here's how it basically works. You, the journalists of all the newspapers, what they do, and by the way, RSS has been fantastic in this regard. They they subscribe or they they visit the European Union website. In this case, it would be you know like the Dutch uh, um, you know the Dutch government website, and they have all these huge um, commitments to publish everything. So everything you can imagine is online, and at the EU uh, website, everything is online in you know. 26 different languages. And so, you know, so these reports come out or these initiatives, and then what happens is, you know, journalists will pick it up. You know, that's that's their primary news source. They'll basically um, make an abstraction of whatever the story is. And that, of course, gets copied by other things down the line. And before, you, and, you know, then it's the evening news. But it all kind of stems from this stuff that is coming out uh, on websites at the governmental level. And, and then it's just copy-paste as far as I'm concerned. So... I think that that's the way the flow is these days. Every single thing you see, like these cluster bombs, I guarantee. Let me uh, let me go to the EU website. I guarantee you, there's like some initiative, some committee that you know came out with a report or something like that, and and then all of a sudden it's top of the news. While you're doing that, I want to bring up another story that came out, which okay. I kind of ended Tech Five with the other day, even though I didn't go into any details. Which seems to be another hot story. Monkey's brain controls robot arm. (laughs) Monkeys have been able to control robotic limbs using only their thoughts, scientists report. Well, yeah, of course. And I'm sure we could do the same. Well, we can. How do you think you move your hand now? Oh, yeah. But (laughs) this is a little more elaborate than that. Um, I don't know. They got the probe. There's a probe in his brain or something. It's like something disgusting about these stories. Um, uh, okay, I'm at the, it's uh, Europa.eu, by the way, if you want to go to the European Union's website. Europa.eu? Yeah. And uh, then you get to choose your... Uh, I, and I just did a search on cluster bombs or cluster bomb. 41 matched... Uh, let's see. Commission's conflict prevention policy case study UXO. Does Look at all the languages they have to put on this menu. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Well, you know, it's the EU, Worst. dude. Uh, Here it line is actions. Hmm. I don't see anything off that. Off this is a dull site. 
Looks like it was done in like the late 90s. Well, yeah, that's when they started it. <laughs> the EU's been around for a while, uh, John. Yeah, but they could upgrade the site. I mean, it looks like something from... I've seen better sites in local... Uh, actually, I had, you, this looks like something you'd find in a small Iowa town with a crate... <laughs> oh, with a little... shit. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Go to the, the EU is fun. <laughs> Oh, I see. Well, I've got the one that says Europe is fun. Is yeah, that Europe the one? is fun, yeah. And then you get a little uh, sound effect plays. A set of brand new games on the Euro. The hell was that? If you have what? The, the Euro Kids Corner. Yeah, you're hearing all the sounds now. Oh, please. Oh, stop. You're killing me. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, if you have oh. one yellow, one orange, and one blue Euro note, how many Euros do you have? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a yellow note is uh, 50. And what was the other one? An orange. Wait a minute. Orange? And a blue. Oh, oh shit. Let me take a look. I've got, uh, what do I have here? i got some euros. So blue is 20. Uh, orange is 50. What's the yellow? Red is 10. What's yellow? The yellow must be 1,000 or something. No, there's no, I don't think there's only a 500 note. By the way, you can't spend anything over 50 euros in a shop anymore. Um, Why? Because of counterfeit. The shops will not accept uh, 100 euro notes, or the 500 for that matter. Because, really? Yeah. I thought know. those things were impossible to counterfeit. They're pretty elaborate. Oh, you'd be amazed. Uh, this is new money, you know. There's a, there's a lot of counterfeiting going on. New money is always uh, subject to all kinds of counterfeit shit. Hmm. So, uh, well, I can't find anything about cluster bombs right off the bat, unfortunately, but I'm sure there's something there. It just... It, it's just two uh, cluster bombs. It's just... Well, maybe the BBC is behind it all. No, 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 because I'm, see I'm seeing the same thing in uh, um, Holland, Germany, Belgium. Belgium, by the way. I don't, you probably caught that. Um, the Belgian... Oh, where the hell is it? I, did we blog about that woman? No, 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 not about that. Oh, that crazy, uh, that crazy terrorist, you know, promoting woman in Belgium. We have a blog entry on her. And it's like the Belgians, and then the Belgians are suing, the Belgians yeah, are nuts. They're suing Google, that's what I want. And they're suing Google because, they, because they're getting unwanted links. Yeah. You know, people are going to their websites because of Google, and they don't want that. They don't want anyone showing up, apparently. Why are they even on the internet? I, I complained about this bitterly on the on the Wednesday Tech Five. Well, .com. you know, look at Bel Belgium has uh, quite a number of problems of its own, John. <laughs> Besides know, the, the fact that it's not a real country, well, and uh, right now that you know, there's well, there's been a, a decade long rift between the French speaking part and the Flemish speaking part, and now they're really, really splitting apart. In fact, there was. Uh, uh, the Dutch even, uh, this is a story a couple of weeks ago, said, uh, hey, why don't you, you, you guys want to join back up with us and you can be a part of us again? <laughs> to the Flemish? Yeah. <laughs> and the Flemish said, no, thanks. We're why fine. not? I think that's a good idea. Why, yeah. why, what, what, they don't like the Dutch? Um, I don't think they like the way the, the Dutch uh, country's being run. Oh. Probably. Uh, and, it's yeah, not conservative enough, you think? There's a lot of animosity. You know, between uh, between the two. So you think it's gonna? You think Belgium's gonna split in two? I don't think the EU would put up with that. It's embarrassing. Uh, I think it. Well, it's effectively it kind of already is. Yeah, I think that they're gonna split in two. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Not that anyone cares, other than the fact that um, InBev is about to buy Budweiser. Did you know that? 
I'm sorry? InBev, uh, I-N-B-E-V, is a huge um, beer manufacturer. They own Stella Artois, they own uh, Duvel, they own a whole bunch of uh, uh, Belgian beers, and uh, now they're looking at, I think, a $50 billion acquisition of uh, Anheuser-Busch. You're kidding me. No, no, I no, haven't no. heard this. You're shitting me, John. Come on. It, it, Take a look. Take a look at, uh, I'm sure you can, that'll be on Google News. Hold on. Just do Anheuser-Busch. Wow, that's a big deal. That's not news in the States? I think I would have noticed. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is, but not in, uh, I'm not, I'm looking at Google News, it's not like headlined anywhere. Right. Uh, I usually keep up with the beverage industry. Yeah, so you can see the stories $50 billion? $50 billion? Yep. Well, you know, the funny thing is they'll probably improve the beer. Because <laughs> they'll stop making it with rice. The uh, one, you know, I'm always reminded of the uh, story I heard years and years ago when uh, the the German brewer, I guess it's German, that had Lohenbrau. Mm -hmm. And Lohenbrau was introduced to the United States as a as an import, and it was and it got really popular. I think this is like in the late seventies or something like that. And uh, so one of the brewers, and I think it was either Miller or Budweiser, one of the two, probably Miller, uh, decided to license it, which happens a lot with quality products from Europe. Sure. Dubonnet, for example, if you buy it in the United States, is not really made in France. It's made in the yeah. Central Valley. Created under and it license. doesn't taste anything like Dubonnet. It's like Coca-Cola. Well, Coca-Cola at least sticks with pretty much the same formula. You yeah, can't do true. that with wine. Right, that's true. So anyway, so they uh, they decided to license the Lohenbrau brand and are going to make it here. And so the Lohenbrau people said to them, well, uh, would, would you like to, you know, work with our brewmaster so you can get get it so it's just the same? And the and the the American company says, no, we know how to make beer, huh. and and that was the end of it. So what you ended up with was just a bottle of American beer with, with a Lohenbrau label with on it, and yeah. it went and eventually it just got Tanked. taken. Out. I never saw it after you know after about five years of that crap. You know, people would say, what am I paying extra for? I should just buy the cheap stuff. So I think this deal will happen, and I'll tell you why. Now, I know the Anheuser Busch company pretty well. They were uh, one of our, in fact, they were our first client in our uh, previous business, and we built uh, Budweiser.com. Um, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff for them. Really, qu quite a bit of work and. Uh, and worked with uh, Woody and Grinder, as they're known, which would be uh, uh, Woody is um, uh, August Bush the fourth, and Grinder is the third. And before you go on, I did find the story, and the best headline is the following: Budweiser to be remarketed as a paint remover. <laughs> the hell is that? Anyway, go ahead. Um, so I spoke to um, my buddy over there. We were starting up uh, uh, Mevio at the time, Pod Show. Uh, when we uh, actually got a nice note from uh, Robert McCauley, who was our, uh, our guy, our main contact at the time. He's moved up and in, into a different part of the organization. He was really running a lot of the marketing. And he said, you know, this was before they launched that, uh, that failed project, uh, Bud TV. And, uh, and he said, you know, we're really uh, in trouble. Well, he didn't actually say in trouble, and I don't want to get him in trouble for saying what he said, but uh, it was clear what he was uh, getting at because of all these Alco pops. It's just not cool anymore to drink beer. You know, if you go look at their sales, go look at their stock price. I think it's absolutely a right time for, I don't know if the price is right, but I think it's the right time for them to sell because the beer market in general is just not as cool for young kids anymore to drink beer. It's all about, you know, the Bacardi Breezers and, uh, you know, all these vodka drinks, and that's what what kids are turned on to. It's no longer beer.
David Prosser's outlook in the Independent uh, says is and that ran on May 29th, which is Thursday. Uh, do not pay too. He, he thinks the whole thing is a crock. Hmm. Just to maybe to pump up the stock price. Well, now just spook him. Hmm. Says InBev might like the idea of spooking Anheuser with talk of a deal to leave the Budweiser on out in the cold. This is another word for them to do some. They're going to buy Anheuser. I don't know. It's just a very interesting story, but it sounds like it's a, it's not going to happen from his perspective. But is it is a speculation? It's an interesting idea. What amazes me is that this isn't all over the U.S. press. You know, it's like uh, you know. I'm just telling you. The thing is, it is it apparently is because I'm looking at the. I think it's just buried though, but I'm looking at although most of these are uh, international articles, but the number of articles that show up on the Google News site, 791 redundant articles uh, about this. So this it is floating around. But the Chicago Tribune has a story on it, and uh, let's see, and it's just. And here's the image that is downplayed. It just ran today, or March 29th. Flat beer sales lead, which in other words is just now it's starting to be picked up, okay. which is a little late in the game. Right. Uh, Anheuser, or I'm sorry, flat beer sales lead to talk of mergers. Anheuser-Busch faces pressure. It's just a boring story. It doesn't even have a you know, slow growth of beer market and beer in key markets coupled with an insatiable need to slash costs is sparking speculation about a new wave of brewing industry consolidation. Hmm. Blah, blah, blah. It's so, no, it's not, it's not a big story here. It's the wave of the future. Consolidation. Yeah, well, it is, it's a big, my favorite company in that regard has got the right name, Constellation. <laughs> it's a big alcohol company. Yeah. Well, the other big one over here, of course, is Diageo. They own uh, a lot of the spirits. Uh, and they're a UK company. This uh, is an interesting article, actually. It's... But again, it's poo-pooing the concept. I, oh, I hate to say that. Sorry. I like, I like it when you guy. say poo-poo. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I know. But I kind of try to cut it back because of the complaints. So, But anyway, you know, you this a, guy's throwing a wet blanket on the story. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there was a really good conversation on Twit last week. You know, I listened to that religiously. It was one of the best shows I've ever heard. You just I, listened to it because you complained. You no, thought that last week's show was one of the best? I really enjoyed that show, yeah. The one with the Brewster? I liked the, the orphan uh, copyrights. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Well, I know and that was the interesting part of it. But, of you know, course, was, that, the, was the letter he got, the... Uh, Oh, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. That was uh, that Well, I, I admire him. I mean, I've known him for a while, but I admire him for sticking up for the, uh, you know, most of us, I think, you know, in this situation, say, what do you need? You know, and you give him the guy's, whatever it was, some guy's name. I think I, they're trying I'd to be track inter- I'd be interested you know, to know. I, you know how I figured out who it was, by the way? That oh, really? Adam Curry guy up in <laughs> Iowa. No, Nebraska. Or <laughs> no, Nebraska, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, here's, here's what I'm interested in. And maybe you can ask Leo, did, what kind of, A, what kind of reaction did he get to last week's show in comparison to other ones? And, or was it listened to more or downloaded more? Because I'll bet you that it had a much lower rating with the typical Twit audience. Because, you know, I think people really tune into that to hear kind of the, the gossipy, uh, you know. News, like, in the, news uh, tech news. Well, yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm sure like the Jason Calacana shows are the ones that everyone, oh, well, that was a fantastic show. You know, uh, no, actually, when you get, I think it's when Kevin Rose comes on the show, you really get the... Uh, you get the dig audience showing yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Rose pretty smart guy. He's pretty yeah, intelligent. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 
Anyway, I just want to say I thought that was a good show. You didn't mention me. That's too bad. Uh, I'm sorry about that. You're, now you're acting like Bubba. And I love it how Leo always, always, and I'm sure he's doing this on purpose, always mispronounces all your shows. So you've got the Take 5, and you've got the, the movie at take5.movio.com. Of course he's doing it on purpose. It's fucking Leo, man. It's what happens when you do 25 hours a week of stuff. You start to talk gibberish. <laughs> he's doing too much work. Yeah, I think so. Has he started those video things yet? I'm waiting for that to happen. I, I, I'm so curious now, to see you really, if you can boy, do you, that. You need to see so Go watch the Chris Perillo show. That's what I recommend. Yeah, because that's it'll be Chris Perillo only with Leo. Essentially. I mean, it's like you know, Chris <laughs> sitting at the computer. Just there he is. He's still there. Has he moved? No, yeah, he's typing something. Okay. Well, I, I'm noticing this if you trend. Look at the, if you look at the screen, it says there's 300 people watching. You go, why are Well, that's watching? exactly. So I'm seeing this trend, this whole Ustream trend. Which is more, and you know, and and it, it's in conjunction with Twitter, and so I'll see like you know, hey, I'm streaming live. You know, everyone's like, I'm streaming live. And I'm like, who gives a shit? <laughs> I've watched these things every once in a while. You see it on Twitter. Somebody says, I'm gonna, I'm streaming live, and they have a link, and it's a link to one of these, you know, streaming things comes off of a phone. And the Callie Lewis did one uh, in Texas, and she says we're having a meeting, a, some sort of a meet up, as they like to yeah, say, yeah, meet a meet up or a mash up or whatever of WordPress users in some. I guess it was like a barbecue place in Texas, what? and so I clicked on it. And it's just a bunch of guys sitting around a table with their meeting computers up. open. Meeting up. They're meeting up. They're well, not doing anything from well, what I can tell. So just this you know boring. She's it's, trying to liven it up by floating around, you know, saying yeah. stuff to them. And they're like nonplussed about it. This stuff it's is just, it's ruining things. It, there's this, 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 <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, this is, this is blog. It's called Girl with a One Track Mind. Look it up. Girlwithaonetrackmind.com. And um, this girl... Uh, was writing on her blog for several years, every single one of her sexual experiences. And I mean, really in graphic detail, uh, but you know, not in a, in a, in a, in a dirty way, but really from her perspective. And she's kind of like a guy, you know, just wants to fuck all the time. And she got outed because she wrote a book. She had, her blog was published as a book, a uh, big hit here in the UK. I'm not quite sure how it did in the States. And so she kind of got outed and everyone figured out what her real name was. And I, was, I, I followed her blog. I thought it was really fascinating to read. And now she's kind of fallen into this. You know, it's like, well, I'm doing a, a photo shoot tomorrow. I'll be streaming it through quick. Make sure you check it. I'm like, stop. You're fucking ruining it. Just write about sex again. I'm not interested Ruined so, it. girl with a one track mind.com comes up as a Parker site. No, hold on. So, it has to be something else. Um, yeah. Look at uh, Abby Lee, I think is her pseudonym. Abby Lee. See, I subscribe to it. So, uh, well, you're like a fan, fanboy, fanboy, Adam. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would. Abby Lee, girl with a, I'll give it the whole, go one, for it. The, yeah. the Google thing. I thought it was girl. Maybe it's .co.uk. Maybe that's where I'm messing it up. Uh, girl with a one-track mind. Uh, you sure it's not? It should be girl with a one. Girl with a one-track mind.com. Hold on. Well, it's not. That's uh, pissing Unless me off. I typed it wrong. Let me go look at my which, uh, subscriptions. Uh, which of course is I don't be. see it coming up anywhere. Well, the one is love reading. 
www.co.uk. She's got that site. Uh, okay, hold on, John. I'm going to find this. <sighs> One track. No, it's just about her book. Hold on, I'll get it for you. This is a thing with, it's almost like, you know, you don't know any phone numbers anymore because, uh... Girl with a one-track mind dot blogspot dot com. Oh, crap. Okay, that's it. Yeah. There you go. Girl with a one-track mind. Yeah. Dot blogspot dot com. And here it is. Here's what you're complaining about. Tuesday, May 27th. I thought it might be fun to try live streaming some yeah. video clips to yeah. explore what goes on behind the scenes at my photo shoot today. I'm off there shortly. Follow me on Twitter for updates or bookmark my quick... She's like got all caught up in this crap. I'm telling... And she's in Second Life. as She has an avatar and she's doing... You know, and, and actually, I'm just looking at the... I'm going back to October... I'm going back to October now almost. And oh wait, the, okay, so the one was all right, March eleventh of two thousand eight. You know this is from South by Southwest, which is another thing that's ruining everything. You know how you're at the Tumblr party, drunkenly caning the free whiskey like there's no tomorrow, and then a six sexy geek boy sits down and starts chatting to you, and before you know it, your legs are up in the air. Like so that's you know, that's the last sexy thing she talked about. You know, and now it's just all this blah blah blah. I'm streaming, come look at me. It's ruining everything. It really is. <laughs> For you. No, but I mean look, I mean I'm I'm just giving you one example, right? But this is this it's rampant. And I don't understand these companies are clearly gonna go out of business. I mean, there's no no business model unless that you know, people have to pay for it. I don't see how that's sustainable at all. So last time I had Scoble on the uh, Cranky Geek show, crankygeeks.com, yeah. uh, he, he comes streaming. on, and first thing he does is he sticks, a, he sticks his phone in my face and tells me he's streaming. Right, well... And I'm thinking, yeah, well, that might be, but and there's probably, like, it's just annoying, because one thing is he should ask anyway, it's not rude to be streaming somebody, yeah. but the other thing is, who the heck is watching it anyway? Five people? Five really bored no, guys? Maybe I mean, 500, maybe 1,000, maybe 2,000, but still, I mean, what is the value of that? It's just, you know, it's, it's reducing our productivity as an economy, as far as I'm concerned. Well... I think there's something wrong with and it. And people ask say. me all the time, hey, man, you should put up a, a Ustream feed of when you do the daily source code. I'm like, dailysourcecode.com. Like, you don't understand. Uh, this is all about theater of the mind. I want you to think that I'm in, you know, I want you to imagine where I am. I don't want you to actually see the freaking piece of metal sticking out of my face that I'm talking into. That's not cool. You know, it's about the soundscape. It's about uh, the imagination. And, you know, and... In fact, my dad used to tell me um, the story about his, uh, his father, my grandfather, took him to uh, see one of these radio plays when he was a kid, took him to the radio station, and it was, you know, Green Hornet or whatever the hell it was. And he said he, he, he never got over the disappointment of seeing how that was put together because he had this whole thing in his mind about, you know, the actors and the situations and the scenarios. And it was just a bunch of ugly guys standing in front of mics banging on pots and pans. Yeah, no, I know. In fact, you, there, there are movies of those, uh, of, of many of those productions. But the weird thing to me about that, the radio play, uh, which are available, you know, you can download a lot of them, um, under usually the, the keyword, by the way, that you want to look for if you're going to try to download stuff is OTR, which is the it's not a word, it's a it's a three letters, and it means old time radio. Right. <clears throat> and you can find a lot of stuff if you Google something and then type 
OTR can and I caps. Just, can I just put a little plug in here? If you go to uh, Mevio.com, right there on the homepage, you'll see the Old Time Radio Network, which uh, this guy named Dennis puts together. And it's uh, it's just collections and collections of uh, series right. there's a of lot of, Actually, there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. And I'll second that. Uh, but anyway, they would show these things. And they and these, these, these shows, many of them would have an audience that would like what your, apparently your grandfather was watching. And then they would pack them in. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, why? I mean, it's just like there's no action. It's just all, you know, just people going up to microphones and reading. Usually they had a sheet of paper in their hands. It's not like they even memorized these lines. They were just good at reading. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I guess it was entertaining at the time. Well, this kind of brings me to another rant that I'm on because I'm, you know, I'm just really noticing it. You know, this, uh, this I, I call it, I wrote a, a blog post about this a hundred years ago, which is probably no longer on a server, probably can find it on the Wayback Machine called the copy paste culture. And, and, you know, I get a lot of comments from people, voicemail comments that I play on my show. And what happens is, you know, people will read, this is what the internet has become as far as I'm concerned. People read an article that's online. Of course, you, you know, what the sourcing of the article is, is probably dubious to start with. And then people just start commenting on it in their blogs and it just propagates on and on and on and becomes a game of telephone and becomes completely worthless shit and things become truth at the end of the day it's uh, it's bad we're, we're not being very responsible one way or the other it's just it's pissing me off well, it sounds like it's been pissing you off for a while. The uh, it's just yeah, there were well, things are you know it's it's a it's all new, you know this is not we you know Gutenberg was around for a long time before they figured out how to you know make books work, you know besides just the Bible. I mean that's what he was selling originally, but you know then the publishing business didn't really begin right away. Um, it was you know so we just you know, everyone's just playing around but i have to say some of these things are duds or bad ideas or dead ends right from the get go and i would say the streaming everything you do from your cell phone is one of them it's just yeah. this, it's like you know i don't need this but of course it's in in a way it's it's kind of training wheels for something else i do think that we'll be able that, that there are things that this can be useful for i'm not quite sure what yet and maybe I'm wrong, but this is all just trying stuff out. All of this stuff is this Twitter. Well, this I, I do this, this thing on the blog, which I've done a number of. Um, I started doing it with the rollout of the iPhone, which is called a, just a walkthrough. And I have these little cameras that I have, these little Kodaks, a 705 or 703 or whatever they are. Anyway, they're just little bitty cameras that have really good video and a good microphone, but they look like a little bitty just a little dinky camera. They don't look like a video camera at all. Like the flip? Is that what you're talking about? Like the flip camera? No, no. No, it's a a little dual lens ones. But anyway, the thing is I turn the video recorder on and then I'll just go wandering. I'll walk with it and then I'll just through some scene like a trade show or down an aisle or something just shoot about two or three minutes of this just walking around. And I get a lot of positive comments. I got did one on Korea recently. Mm-hmm. I just walked down some street in Korea up to some place that somebody mentioned was where all the hookers were, and I kind of missed that, I guess. <laughs> and um, and it's just like they're just actually. And I look at it myself. I go, eh, that's kind of interesting because you know you get kind of a feeling for the place, and it's um, slightly educational. Um, so I mean. I don't know. I just, so there's something to some of this, you know, kind of 
contentless. I wouldn't say it's contentless, but it's it's just kind of random video. The ones I don't like is just where you just there's nothing really interesting. I mean, I've done a lot of these things. I don't post every one of them because most of them aren't very good. And it, and the problem with these things like Quick is that you know these you, you put you start the thing up and it's doing a live stream. You're it's gonna you know it's you don't have you can't edit it. So I don't know. I think well, this, what there, you're, what you're some... saying, what you're saying there, like those little quick bits of uh, of Korea. So that can, that comes back to something we talked about last week, which, by the way, a lot of people misunderstood. I got so much email from people saying that we're idiots and that all this stuff already exists. What we actually were specking out as a system was not quite the same as oh, I have a camera that can geotag pictures. Yet, duh, you know, I, I know that's out there. But the idea that I could be in Korea and I could pick up. Or, or I could not be in Korea. I could uh, plan a, uh, a trip I'm going to make, and I could then, from somewhere in the magical cloud, pick up some of your videos. You know, that would be interesting uh, if, if we had stuff geotagged like that. Right, yeah, because you would know where you were and all this other stuff. So you got complaints about what? I didn't oh. get any email. Uh, no, I got... Like, your audience is different than mine. Thank God. So what did they say to you? What did your crazy audience say? Oh, well, you know, you know what what rock are you guys living under? Uh, yeah, this has been around for years. You know, you don't have What's to wait for the iPhone. What's been around for years? Well, they misunderstood. They think that we were What's talking... What's been around for years? GPS chips G- inside G- cameras? What camera has that? Uh, no, geotagging. The geotagging of well, We're pictures. talking about GPS inside the camera. So when you take a picture, you get the geotagging built into the, into the file. Yeah, that's been around for at least two years. What Microsoft, Microsoft uh, uh, mobile phones. What camera can I go buy right now that's a cheap little camera I can take movies with and look normal that has the GPS built into it? Camera or cell phone? Camera. Oh, I, I, I'm talking about cell phones with cameras. We were talking about cameras when we were talking about GPS. I mean, I don't want to go to Korea and take a bunch of pictures with a cell phone. I mean, I want to take, I bring a good camera. Right with a good lens and I shoot pictures that are, you know, professional grade in terms of at least the megapixels and the quality going around Europe or anywhere for that matter and taking pictures with my cell phone like an idiot. Yeah, maybe there's some GPS stuff in some cell phones and there is, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about having my collection of good photos being geotagged automatically with the GPS built into the camera. That's was the premise of the discussion. Right. Even I misunderstood it then. There are no. there are cameras with GPS, but they're high end. They're high end stuff. There's nothing really cheap. There are a couple. Uh, Rico has a has one. Um, I think uh, Canon has one, but those are more high end. They're not they're not cheap cheap cameras. But of course, you know a lot of these. I have to say, a lot of these cell phones now, you know, they got five megapixel cameras. That's yeah, not but too it's bad. still there's no zoom lens. You can't, you know, it doesn't yeah, have any there. kind of really fancy processing in it. The quality of the pictures are always mediocre. <clears throat> I mean, if you want to make a, you know, a, a wall size print, you know, by doubling the the lines with some software to get a big print out of it, you can't do it. I mean, it's not going to look very good. Let me, uh, there's no take... depth of field. There's no contrast. I mean, this is—it's a joke. Let me look at my uh, my Gmail. Let me see if I can find some of that. Probably not. GPS camera. Hmm. I, I must anyway, have gotten that's... ten or fifteen emails. That doesn't matter. 
But I just think it's ridiculous that people complain. I mean, we're just talking here. I mean, if we have, if wanted to, it's not a report. <laughs> that, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what we're doing, John, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a couple of guys that moan about it a lot for some reason. So, um, anyway, the point I still want to make is that if I had a camera that had a, that would geotag automatically, like a good quality camera or one of these things like the little video camera i would think it'd be a cool thing to have yeah also and by the way i did get now i mentioned i did get a couple of notes from people but they said that they were in agreement with me about the idea being a good one again your because audience i was always thinking that was a bad idea and i thought it was just a waste of money to put a circuit in a camera that would have gps capability the Rico Pro G3 digital camera. This came out in 2005, actually. I'm just Googling some shit here. Uh, Digicam. So that does uh, video and uh, and pictures. And it has a GPS in it? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Kodak had one out ages ago, it even says in this article. Oh. So I guess it's, it's lost favor. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone out of style. <laughs> so much for my theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. What time you got to get but up, man? It's, late it's mostly a marketing thing, you know. These things have to be marketed properly. Yeah, it's getting late. Is it now time two, is, is it two thirty where you are? Yeah, it's two thirty in the morning. Oh shit, man! Let's end this show. Hold on, let me get the music in. That's that's too late. You, you need your beauty sleep, John. Yes, I do. Yeah, and I've I actually I was going to fly at one. I'm taking my wife's bags over again to Holland because she refuses to fly with me. Um. And I got to go because there's a one storm front over the North Sea now, and that'll end around uh, around 12 o'clock. So I got to get flying because there's another one coming up from France. I don't mm, want to take the channel, but okay, <laughs> dude, you'd be doing it all day to take the channel. You do not want to take the channel. <laughs> okay, um, hey, I think I'm coming over in a couple weeks again. I can't wait. We've got a got to set up another dinner date. I hope you're not going to be over here when I'm in Holland. Oh crap! No, when it, you're in August, aren't you? Oh, yeah, right. True. right. No, we got June. We got July. No, no, no. We're going to hook up in Amsterdam for sure. You're bringing your family over, right? Uh, we're, ho- we're hoping to. It depends on what the schedule is for my daughter. She's got all these projects. Mm. Theater projects. Now that and whatever. Oh, well. You're, it's good She's to, busy. Good to hear how involved you are in your children, uh, John. <laughs> it's always nice to hear a parent being proud of all the whatever the heck the kids are doing. I don't know what they're... Yeah, their kids are doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all right, everybody. This was No Agenda for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't send us any email. We're just not interested. Uh, coming to you from the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in Northern California. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.